This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, loyal Hardwood Knox listeners. This is Dan Favalli. I'm here with Andrew Bailey. Adam Frommel is sadly on vacation, or happily, depending upon how you feel about his sizzling hot basketball takes. Um, but today we are going to be talking about Tristan Thompson wanting to get some more hundy sticks out of the Cleveland Cavaliers. The latest news is that he is looking for a max deal, which will be worth around $94 million for the next five years. If they don't give it to him, he's prepared to sign his qualifying offer, which is worth $6.8 million. That essentially acts as a one-year contract. He will be allowed to explore free agency in 2016, at which point reports indicate he will leave Cleveland if it comes to that. And the Cavaliers, if you remember, are only slinging five years and around $80, $83, 85000000 dollars maybe. So they're not too far apart, but they're still pretty far apart. I'm going to turn it over to Andrew Bailey with the following question of what – <laughs> Where to go from there? Uh, very appropriate. Well, okay. What question. do you? Let's let's state the obvious. Is in a vacuum? Is Tristan Thompson worth a max deal? And two, is he even worth what the Cavaliers are reportedly offering him? That's where I was going to go first. Actually, you said that they. I think you phrased it as they only offered him five years, eighty some million. And to me, I'm not even sure if he's worth that like what what is Tristan Thompson adding to this Cavaliers team besides um, solid offensive rebound we, which we saw how important that was in the playoffs it got him a lot of extra possessions um, but is that enough to basically and I kudos to you you wrote a really good article about this um, today for Aww, the Report. Make me blush. so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the plug there um, <laughs> But you you shared in the article, or maybe you shared what somebody else shared, that they'd save about $20 million just right now um, by having him play on the qualifying offer as opposed to the the deal that he wants. Um, so you save money now. You're going to save money in the future, and you have to think about that future money because LeBron's going to get paid buku bucks by the Cavs every season until he retires. Uh, Kyrie Irving's locked up in a big deal. Kevin Love's locked up in a big deal, and I'm rambling. But the point is, I just don't. I don't really get it from any side. Well, I think from the Cavaliers' side, their initial offer and probably even Thompson's sense of entitlement sort of comes from LeBron. You know, yeah, for sure. he came out in May and said Thompson should probably be a Cavalier for the rest of his career. You talk about definitive. <laughs> Who says that? So I think the Cavs were sort of trying to appease LeBron and his agent, Rich Paul, by giving Thompson what is a very generous contract order 
uh, offer, excuse me. But at the same time, just from Thompson's standpoint, he has not earned the money that he's getting in any way you look at this. But you're dealing with a guy who's was drafted in a top five slot, and now he's all of a sudden the sixth man on a really good team. He's never going to average 30 minutes per game on this team unless there's a bunch of injuries. He's sort of making a lot of sacrifices there. I don't want to compare it to the James Harden situation in Oklahoma City because James Harden was worth the money Houston gave him, but that's sort of what's at play, and I think that's probably behind what Thompson is doing. And then the Cavs are just trying to make LeBron happy by paying Thompson, but I think there is a limit to how far that desire goes because they don't want to pay up the wazoo in luxury taxes. We even saw it in Miami. Everyone thought, oh, they'll just keep paying because they're going to win. But it's not like that in the NBA. Teams are afraid of the luxury tax, and the Cavs have already obliterated the tax. They're going to have more than $95 million in salary if they keep Thompson just on the qualifying offer next season. Yeah, and if they they sign him to more – they're they're going to start to make the Nets blush with the kind of money that they're going to spend. Um, you brought up James Harden, and with him, you could like you could argue that he was a starter. He was their third best player. Um, I don't even what kind of role is Thompson even going to have on the Cavs next season? You can't argue that he should start. Um, I think Love and Mozgov is the clear, obvious front court. Um, Sixth man, seventh man, I, I and and then what does that do to his value? You know, if he's the sixth or seventh option and he's playing on a qualifying offer, is he still guaranteed to get a max next summer? No, I would even argue that he'll probably get less. I, I know it's out there. He'll probably be on paper, assuming he has a standard season for himself. He'll probably be among the five best bigs available. But what team? Honestly, I know there's going to be a lot of money out there, but what team is going to give him $20-plus plus million because that's a deal that's not even going to look good with the rising cap. It's not going to look good in 2017 when it explodes again. It's just never going to look good unless he truly, wholly, completely explodes, which you don't see happening. He, right now, on this team, he has to come off the bench. You're right. It's clearly Mozgov and Love. He'll probably be the sixth man because Mozgov doesn't lock too many minutes. But Thompson doesn't protect the rim. He can't score outside of three feet. He's valuable really only as an offensive rebounder and a pick-and-roll finisher. He ranked in like the top 10% of pick-and-roll finishers last season. So he's valuable there. But even then, you have to question, would he be as valuable as that pick-and-roll guy when he doesn't have as much space to slash toward the basket because you have all those shooters and superstars around you? Everything he does that's good is sort of, skewed because of the talent around him and he still failed to impress while doing that yeah i totally agree and i didn't even think about that until just now like if he if he becomes the focal point of an offense um, (laughs) or or like a second or third option like a max player should be those efficiency numbers are almost certainly going to go down um a couple other things i was just kind of thinking with him too um how tall is tristan thompson six eight Maybe six nine in heels. <laughs> okay, so the league is okay. He's listed at six nine. Um, so the league is getting smaller, but part of that is being able to. Part of that is having a little bit of a varied offensive game. Like a lot of these smaller guys that can play power forward can do other things uh, besides offensive rebound. Like you look at Draymond Green, who can create for others can hit threes a little bit, um, 
really good defender all over the floor. Kawhi Leonard, uh, similar, probably not quite the playmaker Draymond Green is, but he does a lot of those other things, kind of a combo forward. Mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson isn't that new combo forward that we're seeing around the NBA. Like What he does offensively is finish around the rim, like you said, and grab offensive rebounds. Um, I think if you're going to pay some guy over a fifth of your salary cap, you're going to want him to be able to do more than just those two things. I think you need him. Not even just want. You, you yeah, have to pay have him to. more than that. Yeah, for and sure. He can probably, in today's NBA, get away with playing some center, as he did at times in the NBA Finals, but that's only if he's going to play out of his mind on the defensive end. And again, he wasn't horrible there, but I'm going to throw some advanced numbers at you and the Cavaliers did go to this a little bit where he functioned as sort of their pseudo center during the regular season in 17 games they threw out that lineup of Thompson, Shumpert, Kevin Love, LeBron, Kyrie Irving that group was a plus 32.8 per 100 possessions they had an offensive rating of 128 defensive (laughs) rating of 95.2 we're dealing with a 40 minute 37 minute sample size but that's really where he's most valuable is everyone around him has to be a shooter because then he can slash toward the basket on offense. And you have to hope that maybe because he's quicker, maybe he'll be able to create some mismatches at the center position where they won't go to a center as much. And it's almost better because if you're really going to hide a bad defender nowadays, where's the best place to hide him? Probably at center because they're still that position is still sort of segueing into the new age era where you don't have a lot of elite post scorers anymore, but you don't have a lot of guys who are out there stroking threes either. That's true, and those are I, I actually have heard about those lineups. Um, what does that and it, like you said, it's kind of a small sample size, like forty minutes, but I think it makes sense on paper. If you surround him with shooters, you can just kind of turn him into the dive guy that pulls people into the paint. Um, but what about the other end? It's a small sample, and they were pretty solid defensively in those 37 minutes or whatever you said it was. Um, can he protect the rim consistently? Can you say you're going to be a center for more than, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes a game and actually be impactful on the defensive end? No, maybe against some teams, but he was in the bottom third of rim protection last year as well. well Part of that's his height. He doesn't play above the rim much either, so he'll just never be that guy. But he's not a particularly smart defender. Again, it looked like he showed signs in the finals a little bit, but he, or even in the playoffs in general because the Cavs were incredible on defense for the most part. But Cleveland itself was playing above its head that entire time yeah, on the defensive sure. end. So you can't read into that. And again, the fact that I had to argue – hey, you can stash him on center on the defensive end and then you can just use him as that dog guy on offense. That's not strong enough to be like, hey, here's here's $80 million or here's $94 million. And and it's something that I think we agree would just be something that you do for spot minutes. It's not like he's your starting center and you're going to play him there for 30 minutes a game. So if if your only justification is that he can – be kind of a cool pick and roll guy and a shooter heavy offense Um, and he can only do it for limited stretches we just keep circling back to this but that's not a max money guy that's not somebody you spend that much money on no not at all I do think in addition to sort of that what we were talking about and then even the LeBron James factor I think there's a little bit of foresight at play here 
Um, the Cavaliers look like they sort of have a log jam up front, but looking ahead, they they really might not. Anderson Varejao's deal, I don't think, is guaranteed beyond next season. He's getting up there in age. He's 32. He's always injured. Timothy Mozgov is going to be an interesting free agent next year because he's still going to be in the thick of his prime, but he's, he's not really going to be that that young guy who you necessarily want to invest for or five years in because he'll turn 30 next summer, but teams are paying for rim protection. What if someone comes in and offers him, not the super max, but what if they go above what Thompson is making? Maybe this is a little bit of insurance because you look, and at least Thompson, you can make that argument, well, hey, upside is still sort of at play. He's only about to enter, what is it going to be, his fourth year in the NBA? So yeah, and. And he's like five years younger than Mozgov. Yeah, he's 24. So yeah. I think that's probably playing a role too. Maybe they're not banking on him developing, but they're not going to have a lot of money moving forward after you give LeBron the super max or just the max because you have Kyrie and Love there. Maybe they're thinking, what are our other options? And they're just trying to get him as cheap as possible, out of necessity almost. And maybe this will be the fuel beyond James that sort of forces them to cave on his demands because, again, nothing is is really solved right now. He hasn't signed his qualifying offer. Yeah, and that all makes sense, but I think you could use foresight to argue against paying him the money too because, um, like you said, LeBron is going to make a ton. Kyrie Irving, like he's, he's under contract now, but when his contract comes up, he's still going to be in his mid-20s, and he's going to make a ton of money. Um, Kevin Love will be in his late 20s, so just entering his prime. All these guys are going to take up so much of the cap. And if and if I had to choose between Mozgov and Thompson right now, I'm going to take Mozgov. Even though he has less upside, I think he fits the lineup a little bit better and he does more things right now. And the Cavaliers should be thinking, win now. I don't, I don't see why they would build for the future. No, I get that. But the age gap between Thompson and Mozgov is huge. And on the off chance you don't want to pay a 30-year-old Mozgov, is it, let's be honest, if... If Tristan Thompson is going to get, let's say, $80 million, $85 million this summer, is it out of the realm of possibility that Timofey Mozgov gets the same scale next year? Like, what if some team comes calling with four years, uh, let's say $70, $75 million or something like that? Is that out yeah, of the realm of possibility? And do you want to pay him until he's 34? He has a... He has a little bit more offensive range. He's not. I don't think he's as good in the pick and roll, but he has a little bit of a jumper, so you can run yeah. baby pick and pop with him. And he's a much better rim protector. So right now, all things being equal, I want Timothy Mozgov. But again, he's going to be 30, and while you're not building for the future, you got to be a little bit smart because you're not going to have money to funnel elsewhere. And if they're not planning on keeping both, uh, maybe you do go with the 24-year-old, or maybe they're hoping they could keep both because they know, hey, Verigel's not going to be around much longer, and we're not going to be able to invest in a good center otherwise. Like, Think about if they don't have two of these three guys, Verigel's pretty much a non-factor right now. So take Thompson or Mozgov out of the equation, or maybe take even both. Who are they getting with the money they're going to be able to offer the next couple summers? Nobody. That's true. And those are all, I mean, those are all really good points. And there are things about Thompson that I really like. Like when he was just destroying the offensive rebounds in the playoffs and for most of the regular season, like that's really fun for me to watch. As a player, I was, I was a garbage guy. So I really appreciate, um, I, I appreciate when that kind of a player can take over a game. Um, 
And the, the age difference is real between him and Mozgov. Like, you have a really good point there. But if I'm the Cavs, I think I structure everything for the next, like, I don't know, maybe two or three years. Um, and I don't worry about the five-year age gap. I just think that they are better suited to win a title, like, in the next two or three years um, if they keep all that money available for the, the guys who are really going to command it. I get it. That's a solid thought thought process, but I think the fact that you have to offer Mozgov, if you're going to keep him, probably a five-year deal is cause for pause because if you're looking at the next two, three years, that's still going to give you another two, three years of a huge contract in sort of the terms, what am I supposed to do with this if he can't function? And Mozgov, he's been in the NBA for a while now, about a half decade. He's only cleared 2,000 minutes once. And that's not a red flag, but he's only cleared 1,500 minutes twice. I mean, he's been a seldom-used reserve for a lot of his career, and he's around all this talent, which makes things on both ends of the floor inherently easier. But, again, maybe you're at least – again, I won't even look at this as the Cavaliers want to get rid of Mozgov or worry about losing him or, or worried about the future with Veragel. Maybe they're just thinking this is a 24-year-old kid – he hasn't rocked the boat in terms of us bringing in all this talent and diminishing his role substantially because his usage rate plummeted last year by percentage points. And could he possibly improve? Again, he's only going into his, excuse me, he's going to go into his fifth year next season. And maybe he improves as a shooter. I mean, he wasn't, he hasn't been particularly awful between three and 10 feet for his career. And he shot 37.5% at career high between 16 and three-point range last year. Could he eventually stretch out to beyond the arc over the next five years? Maybe. But that's a big risk. And I do think we're on the same page in terms of he's not worth this money. I do think, irrespective of what the Cavs actually do, whether they eventually force him to take 80 somehow or whether they bend to the 94 or whether they let him walk eventually, I think it can be justified because that's the situation they're in. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from, and it makes sense. Um, so if let's let's just say you're the man deciding whether or not to pull that trigger, um, and he says no, I'm not taking the eighty. It was originally five years, eighty million, right? Yeah. How? What do you do? You give him the max. I don't. And, I mean, unless like you know LeBron is going to raise hell, and I don't even think if he's going to threaten to do something, he can follow through with that threat because his image would take a hit now. Like He's already left Cleveland and come back. He's not leaving again. Yeah, for sure. So if, if Thompson, if it's me, if Thompson's not taking the $80 million, again, I, I'm not okay with the $80 million, but at the same time, if I'm the Cavs, I would give him that $80 million. If he's not taking what's been on the table – or if he's not willing to sign his qualifying offer and maybe come back to them next year, you know, maybe this could be a little bit more amicable and they can see if he has more to offer. Uh, I'm absolutely not going to worry about it. I'm not giving this guy the max because he hasn't shown he's worth it even when looking at his limited numbers. Now for you, uh, are you just, if you're the Cavs, are you just hoping that he signs that 6.8 and gets the hell out of town eventually? <laughs> I think a little part of me is. Um, and I think there's some validity to wanting to appease LeBron. Obviously he's the, you know, he is that franchise ever since he was drafted. Like he's defined it. Even when he wasn't there, he defined the franchise. So yeah. keeping him happy is really important. 
but I'm I'm almost wondering if he would really be all that upset to the point where it would affect the team. Like, I think LeBron's a smart guy, and I think he has probably gone over a lot of the same things in his head that we've gone over in this podcast. Um, and and I think he understands that it's a business. So whatever shakes out with Thompson, even if he ends up not being a Cavalier for life, um, I don't think it's really going to impact LeBron's game all that much. No, and uh, that, that's that's actually a really good point. And it led me to look up at the salary picture. I'm not trying to look at next summer. Uh, I'm really thinking of if you go ahead to 2017 when the cap is going to be $107 million, if you factor in James's new contract, let's just say right now, what is he going to be making? Would $30 million a good estimate by that point? Let's just yeah, say around. At, at some point, he's getting to 40 too. Yeah, but he'll be around, let's just say $30 million. I think it, it'll probably wind up being a little bit less. I'm not sure. It'll be right around there. If you take off you know, Anderson Verajau's deal, I don't think he'll be on that same contract then. And again, I'm not counting what happens with Thompson or Mozgov. The Cavaliers would only have four guaranteed contracts on the books in Shumpert, Love, Irving, and LeBron. And that would total around $82 million. Again, this is all rough math. You factor in some cap holds, low-level guys. What if you're working with $20 million in cap space or $15 million in cap space? Maybe you go out and you could possibly get that, I don't want to say fourth megastar because of the way salaries are going, but maybe you go out and you get two really good quality guys or that one one star, and perhaps he's thinking about that as well. That's a really good point, for sure. Um, because if you're him, and I'm starting to eject again, no, you're fine. you have to be thinking about your humanity in terms of you want to keep winning late into your career. You don't want to keep having to do what you did last year. And again, you probably won't have to, but he's going to be in his mid-30s by the time Cleveland owns his bird rights. He's going to be 32-33. And you have to start thinking, you know, hey, I have Kyrie Irving. He's still super young, but Love will be around 30 by that point. Maybe they'll want that in-prime fourth star. And if he doesn't know Thompson's going to be it, uh, maybe he's okay with this, like you said. Yeah, and that I think that's a really good way to frame it, um, honestly. And it's kind of what I've been saying all along. Like when I when I picture the future of the Cavaliers, I don't picture Tristan Thompson as like one of their two or three best players. Um, and and again, that's just I think that's why I'm leaning on. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do this deal. I wouldn't give him any more than they've already offered. And if I was in charge, I probably wouldn't have made the original offer <laughs> to be honest with you. And I, and let me reiterate that I love Tristan Thompson as a player for what he does um, in a vacuum. It's really fun for me to watch, but I think that within the context of this team, um, it just makes more sense to maybe look towards the future at somebody else. Like you were saying. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's tough to really, while you can appreciate what he's doing, when that's not driving results, even in a way where you look at him and like, oh, they're dominant for the most part with him on the floor. It's They're not. Like you look at what they did in the postseason and Matthew Delvadova, J.R. Smith, uh, Sean Marion, well, he really barely played, but Ahmad Shumpert, those guys all had higher net ratings. And again, those aren't perfect stats, but when you're looking at comparable playing time and those guys many of whom are facing starters and he had a chance to go up against second unit guys more. That's sort of a red flag for me. I don't know about you. I agree. And I, I actually love net rating. And I know that every 
individual stat has its own problems. But if you spread out net rating over a large enough um, amount of time, I think it tells you a lot. And I didn't know that until you said that, but but hearing all those names having a better net rating, um, I think there's there's some some truth and some validity to that point that maybe those guys are more impactful. Um, yeah, even in the regular season, both Shumpert and Jr. higher net ratings. Again, they weren't in Cleveland for as long, but you're talking about at least a thousand minute, fourteen hundred minute sample size, which is pretty big. Yeah, I think it's plenty. Um, and so I, I don't hope this. This episode doesn't come off as like a bang on Tristan Thompson episode because again I do like him as a player. I just don't, I just don't see uh, how it makes a ton of sense for Cleveland. No, I don't see him being worth that money. And this really isn't. It's not meant to be a slam cast. Maybe in a different situation, he'll have more room to grow. But it's tough for him to evolve as a player to where he needs to. How is he supposed to work on his jumper when he's probably going to get what five, six, seven shots a night? Like maybe he'll flourish None somewhere else. None of which else. will be jumpers. <laughs> yeah, so th- there you go. How is he supposed to evolve on the offensive end when the Cavaliers don't rely on him? Yeah, and sure. how is he supposed to evolve as a defender when in all likelihood the Cavaliers are going to try and hide him yeah. most of the time? And um, let me just say, too, that I get what he's doing. Um, it makes sense to me. And I'm sure that his obviously his agent, Rich Paul, knows the market and knows what's going to happen next year when the salary cap goes up. Um, and I've... I, you know, we witnessed this a couple years ago, or was I think it was just last summer, um, when the Jazz were trying to negotiate with Ennis Cantor, and they were close to a deal, um, but Cantor knew he was going to get the max just because of the climate. He climate, um, he doesn't deserve a max, but he had a good feeling he was going to get it, and he did end up getting it. And I think maybe Tristan Thompson is in kind of the same boat. Yeah, he's definitely in the same boat, and maybe he's just super confident that he can improve. And again, maybe he could be banking on those sacrifices he's making as a player and trying to cash in on those because he's not going to get the playing time he quote-unquote thinks that he probably deserves because he's walking away from a lot of money. Enos Cantor never really threatened to sign a qualifying offer. Like yeah, that that's never true. Be an option with him. And- he, was, he was actually... Um- he would have been eligible for a qualifying offer this summer. So this is a little different situation. It was it was negotiations for an extension, but it's still sort of similar. Yeah, I mean, I, that stuff never really trickled up. But yeah, we were still a year away, and maybe he would have. Uh, it's interesting that he would be making this threat, though, from Thompson's part, given the way the NBA is trending and given what he does and how he doesn't really satisfy any Very of the requirements. True, yeah. But maybe that just speaks to his confidence, and maybe that'll be a good thing. I, 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 we could go in 20 different directions with this. We already have. <laughs> but we are, we are actually out of time. I know that we were worried about trying to carve out a solid podcast from this topic, but we've been talking for a little while, and now it's time for... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! All right. It's me. For this episode of uh, what's burning my bacon and this news is it's almost a week old but it's still burning me up a little bit um, and is actually on a podcast that you guys will never hear because technical difficulties uh, erased it from human uh, <laughs> record <laughs> yes thank you anyway Derek Favors was snubbed from the 34 man uh, Team USA minicamp roster and to me, that's just ludicrous. Um, and the unheard burn your bacon, I focused on Mason Plumley, 
Kenneth Fareed, Andre Drummond, and Tobias Harris as guys that I didn't think really deserved it over favors. Um, I'm just going to go solely on Plumlee this time. And I think it's ridiculous that a guy who is nowhere near the top of either power forwards or centers is going to the Team USA minicamp just because he played for Coach Krzyzewski at Duke. If anybody else wants to tell me one uh, other reason beyond that, uh, feel free to, to find me on Twitter, and that's what's burning my bacon. Oh, I can smell it from over here. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it wasn't enough that I vented about it um, on the deleted podcast a few days ago. I had to bring it back. I think this is called like incredibly seared bacon. We have to go a step <laughs> above burnt. Okay, and I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> that will wrap it up now that the bacon has been aired out um, and now that we've waxed strong on Tristan Thompson for almost a half an hour. Um, you can find us on social media. Dan is at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I am at Andrew D. Bailey. And Adam, who's not with us uh, tonight, again, he's on vacation. He's at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09. And finally, you can find us all at Hardwood Knox. Um, contact us there or email us at hardwoodknox at gmail.com. We'd love to, to interact with you guys. Um, send us some questions, and we'll talk about it on the air. Thanks. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.